On this episode, we talk about Good Omens and Godzilla 2, King of the Monsters. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Last King Podcast. I'm your host, Mr. Toffee, and joining me are... Eccentric Tom. And Shin Shafik. <laughs> oh yeah, we gotta go for the monster thing, because yeah, yeah. Yeah, so Godzilla King of the Monsters 2 finally arrived in the cinemas. Boy, were we looking forward to this, apparently. I kind of was. I, I was, was, actually. We will save our opinions for that, because I think it might be very divided on that front. Oh, really? But first, oh. We, should, we should talk a bit more about, um, yeah, this recent TV show that came out on Amazon Prime. Oh. The, the adaptation of a really awesome book by Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett, the late but great, Terry Pratchett. Good Omens. So Tom and I has recently watched it, like all six episodes of it. That is so correct. So what do you think, Tom? Yeah. So what do you think about it? Like since you've been a big fan of Terry Pratchett. Well, honestly, I really enjoyed myself. And obviously I was kind of worried coming in as is anything that I like is being uh, translated into the small screen. So I kind of like the medium screen because, you know, TV shows have become decent all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. But yeah, this was a good, faithful adaptation, which could have been a little bit longer, in my opinion. All right, maybe we should give a bit of context for people who have not read the book. Oh yeah, and you know, it's Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett's take on the apocalypse. Mm, right, a very humorous take on the apocalypse. Oh yeah, of course, it's Neil Gaiman and Terry, and Terry Pratchett. Pratchett. Like yeah. if course, Terry yeah. Pratchett for once were a deadly serious, like horrible, like end of the world story, people are like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, what's going on? Yeah, yeah. go back to Discworld, please. You're scaring oh, man. us. I'm, I'm really desperate for a Discworld anything now. Well, they are apparently making the Night's Watch as a uh, TV series. Mm, but you shouldn't start there, I think. <laughs> you should no. start... Well, you want they to start had with a lot of TV serials that happened that sort of late, uh, a few years back. If I remember, there was The Color of Magic. Yeah, which was, was terrible. And which Life Fantastic, terrible. which was terrible. Which was terrible. And yeah. The Hogfather, which was mediocre. It was, uh, yeah, it was very mediocre. I mean, Going Postal was okay. True that, but eh, I don't know. Uh, uh, the Golem looked really, really bad. Well, so the thing is, uh, with that as a comparison uh, point... So, does the BBC have money now? What's going on? Or is well, it Amazon money? Well, I mean, it's technically Amazon the money. BBC Definitely does Amazon. have money because, you know, they charge every UK resident £135 a year. So, they better have some fucking money. Mm-hmm. But I think most of it goes to, I don't know... Making more channels. <laughs> and then closing them. But no, this is definitely Amazon money coming in to save the day. Yeah, definitely. Because this has been a troubled production, kind of. Like, the first script started being written in 2011 by... Terry Jones of Monty Python fame. Yeah, and then he got kind of uh, taken away. And he's not gone, but he's like... Yeah, the Alzheimer's came and swooped him away like some big, scary, forgetful vulture. Like some huge Jabberwocky. <laughs> like this uh, cave monster from the castle. <laughs> Yay, Monty uh, Python references. I'm, I'm waiting for the, the animator to finally have another heart attack so Terry Jones can come back to us. <laughs> not... Uh, take care, Terry Jones. Uh, you know what? Look forward to a Last King all Monty Python episode. We should be, we've been promising since season one. It will happen. It will happen. <laughs> it's a coming, a coming episode. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So. Enough for something completely different. Uh, good omens again. So, how about you, John? What are your thoughts on it? Well, I haven't read the book since 2000, back in my college days. So I figured, I, I've, I mean, I wasn't really, I really did not know what to expect from this adaptation. I mean, considering that Neil Gaiman, I mean, when he do, when he's done like a uh, live action stuff like. Mirror Mask or what else has he done last Coraline thank you Coraline and they were like okay to like decent and then when this pops by after seeing all six episodes of this like 
how it actually started off and then from the middle and the end and I actually did enjoy it, all of it, to be honest. It's well done, it's well written, but uh, but definitely it's because of the casting. I mean, part of the reason why this sort of confusing tale for most some people might be is because it works because of David Tennant and Michael Sheen. They worked really well as both the demon Crowley and Ezra Fell, the angel, respectively. I like, mean, do you remember like back in like when they released the uh, like the just announcing that these two guys will be playing those characters yeah. and Everyone, how the internet was like, yes! I mean, <laughs> it is almost pitch-perfect casting, I would say. I mean, who else would you get? Yeah, I, There's no one else to find, to be there's honest. There's literally no one else about play uh, Crowley, who has to be the perfect mix of, like, slimy and cool. Yeah. It's like, you know, who else to get out of then, like, the best Doctor Who and um, uh, Barty Crouch Jr.? Uh, yeah, but okay, I mean, like, if you ask me, like, if we made this movie, like, maybe 10 years ago, uh-huh. maybe Hugh and Laurie. I mean, Hugh Laurie and Stephen Fry. They would be like... Uh-huh. Actually, Laurie and yeah, Fry. I, I that see combo. that more. Yeah. Because it's like, to me, I felt like... I mean, the, the book did come out like, what, 2000? 1990. 1990. It's a 1990, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, sorry, my bad. Uh, but the, it was announced 2011. Uh, that's when the script started being write, written. And mm. this was announced in 2017. And Hugh Laurie was already Dr. House by then, right? He was already going to be a superstar in America, right? Uh, but Hugh Laurie's been like uh, US famous since about 2002. Mostly for house, definitely. yeah. Mostly for house, right? yeah. Because he was kind of like fading into mediocrity in the UK, so he moved to the US and became super famous. How dare you, sir? He... he made some cameos in Friends and some other TV shows before going to house. So it's like just gradually, he eventually became that. Star I'm still for waiting that. for my Black Adder revival. Yeah, that's never gonna happen. Probably not anytime soon. Yeah, because I think Rowan Atkinson's like just done with the Black Adder thing. Yeah, he's too uh, busy making Johnny English films apparently. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> Tony Robinson's too busy digging up holes in the middle of the UK. <laughs> Yeah, he's gone like hardcore into archaeology now. Well, okay, maybe, but still. Uh, so, boys, um, BBC always has this uh, pension for keeping things short and sweet. So, it's kind of following the British six-episode format per season. Yes, yeah. six episodes and maybe a Christmas special if you're lucky. Maybe a Christmas special if you're lucky. <laughs> yeah, but um, this is kind of where I do have my complaint with the thing. It is kind of too short. Mm. Because they spend a lot of time, very rightly, with uh, Tennant and Sheen as Aziraphale and Crowley. Because it's like, yeah, you need a major introduction for these kind of characters, especially for people who are not aware of it or who don't read the books. They Yeah, I mean, and they do a good job of setting up the story and the tone and the pacing. That's all well and good. But the thing is that we spend so much time with these great characters that every other side character, which tends to be the other fun parts in a Pratchett slash Gaiman story, oh, yeah. they kind of rushed through. Especially, you know, the big antagonist, uh, quotes, the Antichrist. We only have him for about a collective, uh, 45 minutes. But does it feel like it's sequel baiting? Like they're trying to hold up stuff for maybe another season? Which is weird because they finished the book and Gaiman says he doesn't want to do a second series. Yeah. So I don't know why. There was why. actually some rumors that he might do a sequel, but again, that's just rumors. I think it depends on how many dump trucks of money, uh, Amazon dumps on his front lawn. I have a funny feeling that. I don't know. I think Neil Gaiman's the or, kind of like how badly American Gods does. So, like that tanks. He's like, well, shit, I have to make money somehow. Yeah. So you can just write more. No, he's got that Sandman project with uh, what, JGL, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yeah, I Joseph don't know Gordon if he's involved in yeah. any way there because I think I don't know if it's, if it's a case of like JGL buying the rights or is like Neil Gaiman going to be producer or executive producer. Yeah. I mean, who the fuck knows? But yeah. Anyway, that's like my main complaint because there are some amazing other characters like John Hamm as Gabriel. 
Okay. Perfect casting. You get a little yeah. Insufferable smiley boss. But you just love him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the, the the smug boss, but you know, yeah. you just and want actually, to hate him, but you can't do anything because uh, he's just so strict. There is yeah. the absolute best casting for the brief appearance of Satan. Guess who it is? Oh yes, yes. Guess who? Is this spoilers? Are we going to do spoilers for the show? No. Well, I mean, it's a story about the book. Of but I mean, it's on the IMDb, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. let me guess, Peter Stormare again? No. Benedict Cumberbatch. Of course, he's such yeah. a prick. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck Benedict Cumberbatch. And like just small yeah. things, like there's a tiny little like uh, squelchy demon who's voiced by Andy Hamilton, who for those who are not British, <laughs> apparently, yeah, uh, he's a tiny, tiny man who's a brilliant comedian. But yeah, he's I think about the same height as Dinklage, if not shorter. Hmm. Ah, right. So right, it's like, right. and he's also kind of round. So they kind of see him as like a little round demon. It's kind of like, huh, of course. Like, plain to type, I guess, even though it's animated. So, I mean, let's really dig into this. Um, will this convert people into Good Omens fans? Will people be buying the books now? I I love- think they might, actually. Just for comparison's sake, or yeah. maybe just to see how... I mean, after seeing this, I'll be like, hmm, I wonder how the novel would actually feel like if I read it. Will it be, be more expanded? Will it be, like, shortened or whatnot? So, well, definitely more expanded. Least, might, uh, yeah. There's a lot of stuff they were omitted, right? Yeah, and... This is the first uh, Pratchett adaptation which gets like the little like side notes properly. Like, you know, in the books where you'd have little uh, addendums and something to explain, which is obviously very funny. In this one, uh, because they have a narrator done by Frances McDormand. Oh, lovely voice of God. Yeah, she will pause the thing and then like give you an explanation, which would be like the little side notes. I I love that. It's brilliant. Yeah. yeah, well done. I mean, it doesn't break the flow or pacing. It actually no. makes sense in actually stopping that one part just to explain the whole context of the next scene and whatnot. It works really well. Yeah, I mean, they they captured the uh, pacing of the book perfectly by being kind of stop-starty and all over the place. I mean, it's very British, actually, if you think about it. It is incredibly oh, British. Very like, British. That's <laughs> what, something I really, truly really love is that they captured the core essence of British humour and sensibility in the show, even though it's heavily backrolled by an American company. Mm-hmm. Like references to the M25 being an absolute hellhole, which I don't know if it's in the books or not, but it's designed by Crowley and it's like low grade evil being created by people being stuck on like this big circle. Oh, the London traffic, right? Was yeah. it the London Circle thing? Yeah. Yeah, which the is like great really humor funny. for anyone who's been to the UK and been stuck on the M25. So, I mean, how about this? Let's go straight into the characters. What do you guys think of the performances? Oh, they're really well done. I mean, as we mentioned before, uh, David Tennant, Michael Sheen nailed it. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, from start to finish. I mean, again, as Tom mentioned, the show is still focused on them, which isn't really a huge problem considering that they're the first two characters on the title card when it, with the animatics and all that. And oh, yeah. since this is their focus, they need to bring the A-game, and obviously they did. I mean, from Michael Sheen's a very tepid, passive way of handling things to Crowley, I mean, David Tennant's way of being very aggressive and all that since he's a devil and all, and the way they banter back and forth about the philosophies and making things work while also being close friends despite their antagonistic nature really works really well. I think that one one of the episodes where they actually went back in time to, you know, during the key moments of the Bible and in history, was it the third or the second episode, Tom? Third one. The third Which one, was, yeah. How about this for some bullshit? Like, that whole thing of going back in time to explore a relationship is 28 minutes and then it's a title card. Yeah, it's the it's longest crazy. fucking introduction before the title card of the episode. Hmm. Yes. It's crazy. Yeah, it's like, I remember watching it and you're like, uh, did I see the title card? I must have missed it or something, or maybe I skipped over it. But no, there it is, 20 minutes into a 46-minute episode. It's yeah. like, that's kind of taking a piss. But that's kind of very game initiation practice. Oh, it's very game initiation. Yeah, it's yeah, like, very. oh, by the way. <laughs> yeah, we've got this part. Yeah, it feels almost Monty Python-esque as well, which I feel like is kind of continuing the 
you know, proud tradition of irreverent, slightly surreal British comedy. And I'm also a fan of the what's that the the little kid who played Satan, um, Sam Taylor Buck and his kids. Like this, you uh, mean I the mean, Antichrist, I mean, sir? The How Antichrist, dare you yeah, confuse Satan's him? Kid, yeah. He's <laughs> not Antichrist. his dad. Okay. Yep. <laughs> totally. Totally. I mean, I, yeah. I mean, though, I mean, obviously they're kid actors. I mean, but at the same time, you could see that yeah, they're really trying their best, and it actually worked out really well. Yeah. I from mean, the start to finish, we could have maybe spent more time with them to establish their characters. They kind of feel a little bit just like there rather than part of the story maybe an extra episode or maybe another 20-30 minutes could work but yeah. I'll be honest I was actually alright with how the, the, the his story arc actually ended up in the end you know like with especially with the camaraderie between the three other kids whose yeah. actor's name I kind of forgot <laughs> the well, three I kids mean, three friends, yeah. but yeah I love like little side uh, characters which are perfect I already mentioned Benedict Cumberbatch Nick Offerman as the oh, uh, the, uh, the aide right the, the US ambassador, ambassador to the UK and yeah, I didn't even re- recognize him because I guess I just associated that mustache with him so right? much yeah, that when he uh, shaves, like, oh, that American man is very funny. I wonder where I've seen him before. Parks and Recreation. Yeah. yeah. The other hill. And yeah, yeah. I would say, yeah, even down to especially the four riders of the apocalypse mm, are yes, yes. great. I mean, it's three relatively smaller um, actors for the, for the three riders. And Death is voiced by... The great and wonderful Brian Cox. Yeah, but really the good stuff. physics guy. No, the actor Brian Cox. Oh, okay. They're two Brian yeah, Coxes. Yeah. Okay. No, that'd be a very weird voice. Like, hello, I am Brian Cox. <laughs> and she's more to- like, hello, I'm Brian Cox. I'm going to explain to you how black holes work. Do you want to know something fun? He still kind of stu- uh, teaches at University of Manchester. I'm sure, the when ch- I was there. paycheck is way better. Yeah, apparently every single person in the physics department hates him. Because he's such a prick. That and also he doesn't do any research anymore. Why does he care? He's got YouTube money now. No, he's got TV money now. He's got TV money now. He's got he's in Neil deGrasse Tyson's speed dial. He doesn't need to talk to anybody. Yeah, <laughs> doesn't matter if like people like smash on his door and like leave rotten eggs in his cupboard when he's away. It's all right, you know. I have another Porsche. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, do you feel that maybe the Four Horsemen could be expanded a little bit, or do you think their roles are already subservient? Yet? I think you know what it needed to be recast. I I didn't really quite appreciate Brian Cox and like the other three actors. You know who be who have been the perfect Four Horsemen for the apocalypse? Yeah. Who? Uh, the not so famous members of Take That, <laughs> <laughs> like a boy band and all that. Robbie Williams as Death. No, no, not Robbie Williams. Robbie Williams is the other one. It's Gary Barlow, oh, Jason Orange, and the two others. The two others. Yeah, like, Gary really, Barlow. Like they're so grey and boring. Like I hardly forget that they exist half the time. You can imagine like Gary Barlow coming in. It is the apocalypse, singing off key as per normal. But then again, he's got talent. I'm sure. Mm, no, he doesn't. I kind of remember Take That. <laughs> no, we don't. Yeah. I mean, who else would you get? Well, who would be the millennial equivalent? Oh, JLS or something, right? Who? Oh, yeah, them. <laughs> <laughs> Look was, at you not showing your age. I was going to say One Direction. One Direction? Nah. Nah. <laughs> that would be mm. too on the nose. Well, I mean, that'd be kind of fun because like, it's Zane, Harry, and the three others that no one remembers. <laughs> Just playing themselves. Yeah. They are the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Uh, but no, What's I think... the One Direction? We're going to hell. <laughs> What's the One Direction? Tadfield Air Base. There you go. Well... I think it would have been nice to see him a little bit more. Like, see him, like, do their cool things. Yeah, uh, yeah. The introductions were kind of interesting, but they definitely felt the TV budget because there was, yeah, a small They didn't tent. really do much except just go to one spot, talk a bit, go to another spot, press a button. I mean, all the effects were, I mean, very simple per se, and obviously they saved it for the final episode. Well, so. yeah. Which is fair enough. I'm not going yeah. to, uh, you know, 
marked down a TV show for not having like, an amazing budget. But, you know, it would have been nice to have them for maybe a one more episode to see them do all their cool stuff. Yeah, yeah, especially if it's something as risky as Good Omens. And as much as we're fans of this, uh, the right, uh, Neil Gaiman and um, Terry Pratchett's writing, I'm not sure if like the mass market would be still ready. I mean, I know nah, it's Good Omens is still... not like it's not the same level as something yeah, I mean, like a Stephen even, King novel. Even it's I know, not even the most yeah. marketable. It's quite niche. Uh, Terry Pratchett book. I'm trying to think what would be the most marketable Terry Pratchett story. <laughs> not many of them. I mean, among fantasy fans or even comedy fans, right? Terry Pratchett yeah. is a very acquired taste, and it's something that unfortunately has not been given enough reverence or even given enough like love for it to like you know last forever or at least a proper live adaptation well it's because like nine levels deeper satire where like you can reread it for like the fifth time and go oh that's what you're referencing but it's not that impenetrable either but I mean I totally believe like kids nowadays don't care about Terry Pratchett safe to say well I mean there's probably that four or five guys out there who discover it it's like like how Monty Python was for like somebody like me back in the day was like when you discovered it and you shared it with people and oh none of my friends get this I'm probably the, am I an idiot for liking this and you no. meet three other guys and that's your best friends for life yeah so when you like, like you quote like you know was the SP velocity of an unladen swallow and like they respond appropriately that's when you know you found a friend for life exactly and I mean um, Terry Pratchett books I mean speaking as like you know like me and John especially as like guys in Asia mm-hmm. and like nerdy guys in Asia it's like there's other things to distract us but it's like yeah, I read Terry Pratchett books when I was in primary school, and we're talking like back in the early, like late eighties, early nineties. And I had no one to share this with, and yeah. what I fell in love with was like the goofy, surreal yet beautiful like book art. Yeah, like the old school, like the first his editions. Long, his long uh, time partnership without uh, I can't remember who it is. We'll Google it. Later. You yeah. know what? Our yeah, asking fans are smart enough. They're probably shouting at it right now yeah, as they're yeah, riding sure. the train on their commute like listening to us. You're not real fans. How can you call yourself Terry Pratchett fans? Eh, but anyway, um, so I don't know. Like when they announced that Good Omens was something that was gonna happen, the me- the first thing that I thought to myself was like, okay, and who's this for? That's a very good question. Uh, because the thing is like, I think it's safe to say, even in England, okay, and you're from there, so you yeah. can verify this. I'm pretty sure amongst all your mates, only three of them likes Terry Pratchett. I think slightly more than that. Four. <laughs> well, I, I hung out with all the nerds, so I think like, uh, I didn't have a very All the nerds <laughs> collected okay, in Probably the like a half of those Out of those everybody guys, in four, university, yeah. who could you share Terry Pratchett love with? actually most of my classmates because like once you get to university you start to appreciate this stuff a bit more like in school different story because you know school children suck and I <laughs> <laughs> especially when, once you get past the, the middle or lower class of people right? um, <laughs> yeah posh joke right there yeah oh, so Terry Pratchett's kind of posh I mean like how about you John like what was your introduction to Terry Pratchett was it was still good omens and uh, and Discworld I mean I actually did play the game Discworld back in the day and on the I CD-ROM <laughs> yes on the CD-ROM yes exactly <laughs> Amazing game. Like, with uh, Eric Idle's voice and um, the black other guy, Tony Robinson, right? Yeah. yeah I can't yeah. remember. But yeah, it's Turtles. Turtles all the way down. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> good stuff, good stuff. And also the sequel as well too that came out a few years later. Life really well animated. Really good stuff. But that actually just made me want to go back and like go to my nearest bookstore and get Color of Magic, the Hogfather, and the Soul Music. Soul Music was actually alright. Really. Yeah, I loved yeah. it. Good stuff. Well, I try to think and then I like... saw the animated version of it. It's like, uh, I don't know if I should like it or hate it. I mean, I mean that I was the first trying. thing that kind of got me worried because every time they try to adapt Terry Pratchett, right, it's always it always looks like, wrong. Yeah, I wouldn't say even looks wrong. It looks like they don't have enough money or they don't have enough uh, 
like pitching or convincing power to convince people like we really need like the sheer like yeah. capacity of this man's imagination requires like Spielberg budget and like people in the BBC who are like signing things off but that's like, the thing the TV shows were done by Sky not by the BBC and do they and have a Sky budget? had money right? well it's they're Ru- a cable network right? it's Rupert Murdoch's uh, thing mm. so they 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 have uh, by, by whatever the fuck name that company's called like News Corp or whatever Rupert Murdoch is Fox same thing okay oh like he's big conglomerate right? yeah, I, yeah I can't remember what it is so they have you know that man's money but I guess like he was kind of stingy when it came to adapting priceless satirical uh, fantasy books yeah. see, fuck you Rupert Murdoch for I many mean, reasons it's like thinking about like remember like comic, mo- comic book movies back in the 80s or 90s oh, yeah, where it's like this is the kind of shit like like how do we convince like all these executives that we need a certain budget to pull this off and yes it will be successful Whereas, like, I can imagine right now in this day and age, right, if it's not, like, a Marvel movie or a reboot or some, like, property from the 80s that has some sort of, like, reference, like, imagine walking into, like, fucking Disney and say, we want to make, like, a Terry Pratchett story. Why? We have Marvel shit. Yeah. You know? How the tables have turned her, like, before, like, yeah. you could not pitch a comic book movie. Now you can't pitch anything but, but a comic, a comic book movie. Yeah. Which is fucking annoying nowadays. But also at the same time, it's like... It was fun at first. <laughs> then, it was yeah. great till Avengers 1 and then like now I want it to stop. Like, oh yes. god. You know, careful what, what you wish for, nerds. Yeah, this is definitely the monkey's poor thing. I want good comic book movies. Good, but you'll only have comic book movies. That are yeah. kind of good. Yeah. And then they just deteriorate in quality. And kind of mediocre. And good becomes mediocre and then mediocre becomes the great good again. It goes back and forth. I don't think it'll ever recycle itself. I mean, comic book movies are gonna go the way of like the cowboy movie or like the western. You know, like, it's like, yep. Like it, every single fad movie. Yeah, I don't know when it's gonna peak out though because I don't see the generation dying out as much as the westerns did. Uh, I would say give it another 20 years. Like just when wait Marvel for the has bad out diet and lack of love. I think it would be like, in. no, not even 20 years. I mean, less than that. I mean, I'm pretty sure unless of course parents are indoctrinating their kids to go watch these like shitty well, fuck movies. yeah they are have you seen the like the yeah. hordes of young parents with their kids at comic con which is like dressed you know, up like Thor and Captain America yeah. but also at the same time it's like you know according to natural order then will be the next generation of like you know whoever the future Tarantino or Nolan is is gonna blow us away with an, like original thought and quality storytelling but yes hopefully we're still alive and have a podcast by then so we're gonna be like haha called it you want to have this podcast going for another 20 years? Fuck it, sure. Why not? <laughs> oh, God. I can't, I, I can't wait to be 80 and complaining about Batman. <laughs> anyway, boys. Uh, like, Okay, let's not tangent too much. Yeah, so, we were talking about uh, Good Omens. Now, here's the important question everybody needs to know. Um, what are nitpicks? What are the little problems that we just have to finagle because we're I, such nerds? I mean, I already mentioned that uh, it was too short for the series. Uh, like, not enough time with some characters... Um, mm, I think I could use more expansion on the four horsemen. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we know what they do, but I mean, I know what you mean, like with the kids as well. Some, I think maybe another episode could work, or two, another couple of episodes. Yeah, maybe. And also, I think maybe you don't have to be this uh, faithful to the adaptation. Like a little bit of license either way would have helped. Maybe. Yeah, but you have one of the showrunners who is an actual author of the book, which is fair enough. And I think maybe he really wanted to do Pratchett justice. Yeah, I guess so. Which is good, fair enough. And, you know, thank you, Neil Gaiman, for you know, preserving his voice in, in this uh, form. I mean, I mean, is it safe to say that uh, basically, like, you know, Asrafel and what's the other guy's name again? Uh, Crowley. Crowley. Crowley, my bad, yeah. Like, that is the, the, the avatars for Gaiman and Pratchett as they wrote this, right? Oh, definitely. Like, Which one's Pratchett, you think? 
Aziraphale, obviously. <laughs> like, he even wears the same hat and scarf. There you go. <laughs> yeah, Gaiman's Crowley, pretty much. Oh, no. Gaiman's definitely Crowley. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, Gaiman was, like, the author that did drugs and, like, had sex with uh, superstars. And Pratchett was the one who, like, had a sensible little bookshop. <laughs> I like the way you say sensible. It's like, it's like they're writing book. about themselves, except more for the end times kind of vibe. Yeah, I mean, this is, I think, them saying, like, so they probably had this discussion maybe over coffee one day or tea. High tea, probably, because it's fucking England. Sure, whatever like, that means. So it's pinkies out. What would you do in the apocalypse? Well, my good friend Neil, I would do this. And hmm. tell some jokes. Yes. There you go. Okay. <laughs> do you think we should write this book? Absolutely. Do you think I'll print money? Absolutely. Let's do this. Did it print money? I mean, it was not a huge bestseller. It did. I think it was a cult hit. Like, it it's was, a cult hit, yeah. That's how I'm trying to get it, though. I think it's been like a consistent, decent seller for a while. And it's a lot of people's first introductions, like cross pollinating the two fan bases. Yeah. Like, I think a lot of Gaiman fans go into Pratchett because of this, and a lot of Pratchett fans go into Gaiman because of this. And then there's a rare occasion, like, guys like me were like, I was really a fan of both. Oh. And they, when they collaborate, I was like, wow. Okay, this is a good idea. <laughs> Life has meaning. <laughs> These two guys know each other, <gasps> they share a universe. Yeah, apparently they weren't, like, really good friends until they started the book. I mean, they were friendly rivals, if I'm not mistaken. Like, they were yeah. aware of each other. Like, but I think, like, Pratchett kind of, like, ha- had a few. I mean, like, Gaiman was more of a comic book guy, so to speak. Yeah, I mean... He's a graphic novel guy, whereas yeah, Pratchett yeah. was, like, more, like, ah, uh, you know, hoity-toity, like, ah. Uh, what? You use pictures? Oh, how dare you. <laughs> I, I don't know, I think... I don't know how it started, but I I like both to, like, to believe that they went on swimmingly and were good friends yeah. afterwards. I mean, they were definitely. I mean, yeah. they shared the sense of humor that... This is like it, it makes it's so weird how they like blend into each other so perfectly actually. Yeah, I think you could see definitely they have very similar comic uh, origins, like what their tastes were built around. It's just they chose to explore in different ways. Irreverence and sarcasm, like every yeah. good English humor. Yeah. Like mm. <laughs> beautiful. So anyway, uh good omens available at AMC. The thing is, how's the reception no, no, Amazon. so far? Amazon. Is it AMS? AMC? Oh, I thought it was Amazon. My bad. Amazon. Amazon, yeah. So it's AMZ. Uh, it's <laughs> gone yeah. mostly positive reviews. I think it's got 81% on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. And most of the feedback I've seen online, people are liking it. People are enjoying themselves. Um, I mean, I've seen some people complain in Epic. Like, I saw one idiot talk about, like, oh, it feels like a worse version of uh, Doug Gently. It's like, it feels too irreverent. It's like, this man obviously never read Terry Pratchett. He never read the books, huh? Yeah. Poser. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. but also, what I want to ask is, um, is this going to make people want to <coughs> subscribe to Amazon more? Nah. Uh, that's gonna. That's probably a Not big right. no. This, like we mentioned before. This, this is, is just something nice to have along the side, yeah, right? Yeah, and also, here's a adaptation. Thing. This is going to be distributed in the, on BBC2 sometime later this year. Okay. So every British fan, i.e. ninety percent of who this they're holding it out, right? for, yeah, it's like oh, I'll just wait for it to come on oh. iPlayer. Yeah, yeah so and it's like, coming out on a weekly basis. So yeah, yeah it's one week, one week. How yeah. also would it be if it's like, oh, just for your BBC nerds, here's an extra episode? <gasps> I would be <laughs> fucking livid. <laughs> Angry? Why? Because I can't watch it. <laughs> I, I really cannot watch a single BBC thing legally here. But you're uh, English, don't you? Isn't it like part of your passport or something? That's not <laughs> well, how it works. We have a, like a, a little chip that we can like plug into computers. Like you have all the BBC stuff. Here's your now. passport. Now you can travel all the con- like the colonies. And uh, here's your BBC iPlayer pin number. I wish. Welcome. You're English. And here's some. Bro- and here's what a state tax as well. Yeah, seriously. Take that with you. <laughs> fuck you, BBC, for not letting me watch iPlayer stuff overseas. Fuck you. I know it's right. Still, fuck you. 
what are they gonna do? Pirate it? It's already available on Amazon. <laughs> yeah, good point. Um, but yeah, I think overall this is a solid seven and a half out of ten for me. Yeah, I'm gonna be around that same boat, seven out of ten. I kind of, I mean, again, the two actors we mentioned before, um, Michael Sheen and yeah, David Tennant. Uh, David Tennant. Yeah, sorry, stumbling around. Wow, David Tennant. Yeah, they're good stuff. Yeah, yeah. They they're, they carry the show. They carry the entire show. Well, I I don't think carry is a correct word because it's still a good show, but they're definitely a core element. Of yeah, it. they're like the avatars. We like we mentioned. You they're mean the leads? Like, yeah, the leads, the avatars. Like the I and mean, we need like a focal point to actually see the story across with the side. Oh, you mean like so. protagonists? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I'm explaining storytelling to my course. <laughs> <laughs> like, let me introduce. I'm getting all my words mixed up. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's it's a good focal point. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I would definitely thoroughly recommend this to anyone. Like, if you are a Pratchett or uh, Gamer fan, you have to watch this. It is required of you. All seven of you, seven of you listening right now on this podcast. How dare you? American I mean, Gods if you want to look for new successful. people, if you want to sell this show, no, I mean, listening to, say, to this podcast oh, among our fans. Oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure some of you like Neil Gaiman or Terry Pratchett, right? Please uh, let us know. Tweet to us. <laughs> yes. I mean, if you want to sell this show to other people, you have to be like, hey, you want to see like a fantasy, modern contemporary show with a little twist, a lot of British irreverent humor, which might, you know, tune off some people, unfortunately, but it worked out. I mean... Yeah, actually, I'm trying to think, how would you sell this to someone who's not already a fan? I'm just surprised how they sold it to Amazon. <laughs> it's like, we need money for how this. How the pitch went. Sure. Yeah. I, I think that deep down, Jeff Bezos is a big Terry Pratchett fan. I guess so. Unfortunately, half of the money will go to his wife now. Yeah. Ouch. What's half of a gajillion dollars? <laughs> uh, half a gajillion. Yeah, half a gajillion. Apparently, she's going to donate most of it to uh, good Charity? causes. Yeah. <laughs> good causes, which is like her... Uh, what? To her... Wardrobe. I'm single bitch with World Tour. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think half of it is going to charity by uh, 2030. It's like uh, she's part of, of that um, Bill Gates Of agreement. course. Imagine the tax on that shit. Yeah, good point. That, <laughs> That's why she's donating. You're it to writing your, off your tax for the rest of your life by donating that much. Yes. Also, all the shoes that you can get with free shipping on Amazon. <laughs> I wonder if she still has an account. Of course she does. <laughs> she owns yeah. half. It's a that free account. So yes. <laughs> I'm getting it all on Taobao <laughs> or Alibaba. Ooh. Anyway, so uh, I guess from I guess from one apocalypse, one heavenly apocalypse to a monstrous apocalypse. We're going that was to be a terrible segue, sir. Okay, fine. Do better. Do one better then. <laughs> no, we're sticking with this one. It's Godzilla 2, King of the Monsters. Uh, it's a real number two, I gotta say. Uh, oh, uh, you're showing your cards a little bit early then, my friend. Okay, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know what? Spoiler warning, because I have a lot to say about this. As the resident Godzilla fan, which I've established way back in Season 1 on Epic Giant When we were Battle, talking about Shin Godzilla, we which remember I that. really didn't like, and everybody's t- calling me crazy for liking it. And I'm like, why do you love this movie? 90% it's of it is just bureaucracy the movie. Yeah. And it's, it's just bureaucracy featuring it's Godzilla. Japanese officials arguing with each other. And it's like, we've established over like half a century, what is a Godzilla movie? Monster comes to Tokyo or other part of the world and smashes shit. That's what we want to see. Like, as much as everybody's like saying like, oh, but we need to introduce the human element because nobody can relate to like the, the rampant, rampaging I don't want to creature. relate to shit. I want to see I big monsters see crash. I want to see shit get fucked up, bro. I mean, it's like, okay, cool. Pacific Rim did it the perfect way. A nice 50-50 mix of like, here's some human drama. Here's some context. Big fucking monster. Big giant robot. Fight! Like, yeah, that's what I want. And it's like, 
when they advertise in the trailers, like straight away, it's like, hey, guess what? Godzilla fans, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna try and remake Destroy All Monsters. We got fucking Rodan, mm. we got fucking Mothra, we got fucking Ghidorah. Yes, yeah, that's right, Ghidorah in the teaser trailer. And I was yes. like looking at it, thinking to myself, don't fuck this up. Because I will, I swear, I will rant on my podcast <laughs> if you talk. <laughs> And from the, the looks of, of it, I head. think you will. <laughs> yeah. Oh, be prepared. I was saving up, penting up all this frustration. I saw this in the cinema and I was like screaming at the screen, what the fuck are you guys doing with this movie? And then you should be like, sir, please, we're going to have to ask you to leave. No, they were all agreeing with me. <laughs> there was literally another guy in the cinema where you're going like, the fuck? And I was like, that's the plot? Like, That's what's going on? So again, spoiler warnings. Okay, boys general thoughts go around <laughs> I was gonna say this is like the modern equivalent of writing a strongly worded letter to the publisher to whom it may concern your to film to Toho Publishing Godzilla did you approve King? this and why no I don't blame Toho this is Warner Brothers and Legendary this is Warner Brothers and fucking Legendary and, and Legendary Leg- yeah and Legendary has been known for fucking up good things you know aka te- like uh Horror movies from the eighties. Stop trying to re- okay. They stopped trying to reboot it. And would you say they fucked up the two thousand fourteen Godzilla? No, no. Yeah, that was that fine. Was actually, a good pacing. Yeah, that was yeah. Really but good. you also have to remember, Legendary gave us the very amazing Man of Steel. Oh, uh, oh yeah. Know. Oh yeah. Well, oh yeah. And the thing is, right, based on what they pulled off in Man of Steel, I was like thinking, you know what? They seem to be good at city-wide destruction. I can't wait to see this Godzilla movie because they probably still have the assets or some animations that they've kept in the background that, you know, would be very relevant and very, you know, much appreciated in a Godzilla 2 movie, especially when you're, like, promising at least five fucking monsters. (sighs) Saving it for spoilers. Okay. So, John, what do you think? (laughs) I actually did not find it completely terrible. It's, wow! It actually no, staying no. in brand, huh, John? Yeah, yeah, I'm staying <laughs> in brand. That was the most pussy-footing way. You <laughs> okay, okay. Let, it obviously has its faults. I mean, the the, the other half faults? of the film. Let me. Okay, wait. okay, okay. The mon- Okay, the monster fights, the design, dude. They look really, really good. Yeah. At least yes, from I'm my fine perspective. With those. Yes, the I... fights are great. When the monsters come up, when they come up from the water, when they come up, when Rodan popped up from the volcano at first that sight. That was awesome. You see that dog fight happening. It was great. Just watched. And yeah, when King Ghidorah made his appearance, when the ice shattered, he fought against Godzilla, and the second fight, and the third fight as well. Dude. Again, if I were just to pay 10 bucks just for that, I would be more than happy, because at the end of the day, watching, I mean, not just this, but also comparing it to past Godzilla films, like um, Final Wars, GMK, and um, what's, yeah, of course, uh, King Ghidorah vs. Godzilla, and all those other shows, I felt that this one was... Okay, I mean, at the same time, the monsters, from a cinematic perspective, however, like, if you want to actually bring in the human element, it's the worst way to do it, definitely, because, which we'll talk about much later. I've lost your train of thought, what? <laughs> no, no, the monster fights were great, in other words, but so everything else... you really enjoyed 8% the of the movie? Basically, it felt more like 20 or 30% rather than 8%. You're not really uh, like putting a great strong case in here for this Yeah, you're not, movie. man. And I'm you're not... going up against me later. Okay, sure, sure. <laughs> this is kind of kind of going to be like the final fight between... Oh, this is going to be pretty... One- oh, he's Ghidorah? He ain't Godzilla. He's barely Godzilla Jr. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fucking what? Rodan, bitch. He's Gacha Pin, if anything. <laughs> anyway. What? 
Very hard to explain. I don't have enough of a podcast. <laughs> but for all you Japanese fans, you know who Gacha Pin is. And yes, if you've seen pictures of Mr. I'm Coffee, fucking Rodan, bitch. Come no, on. you're not. not. <laughs> In unison too. Thank you, sir. Uh, so, Tom, uh, what is your general critique of this uh, motion picture? Oh, boy. Where do I start? So, Let's start with all the things you like. Okay. All the things I liked. The monsters were cool. Like there they, you go. <laughs> they, re- they remind me of the time when, you know, you're a wee tyke at home and you've got your action figures, you're like smashing things, like knocking over your Lego pieces. Like, that was fun. That was cute. Everything else was so fucking <laughs> dumb and boring <laughs> and stupid. Like, it's not even cheesy. It's not even kind of like, oh, you with your silly dialogue, poorly translated in Japanese. It's just It doesn't dumb. make sense, actually. No. It's fa- face-farming <laughs> stupid, right? Yeah, it's just like... And also, the weird choices they make. Like, the way they introduce Carl Chandler, who is very aggressively whispering so much to he everyone. He shouts a lot, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah well, basically the kid's name. Like, he either <laughs> yeah. is whispering or shouting. Basically, whenever Millie Bobber Brown appears, he starts shouting. He's got no analog control on his voice. It's either no, it's, it's digital. <laughs> it's just too. It's on and off. Yeah. And then there's turbo when he's like acting, apparently. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, I mean, that's just the absolute tip of the iceberg of this idiocy. It's just every yeah. single line of dialogue. Just there's no clear motivation for anything that's happening. Yeah, I mean, we're not gonna spoil it just yet. But no, yes, we're not. I'm just saying. We're just hinting at. Just hinting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah everyone's motivations behind what they're doing Didn't make makes fucking no sense. goddamn sense. <laughs> and there are these weird heel turns where it's like, even you know the worst WWE events be like, come on, bro. Put in some effort. <laughs> even, even The Rock was like, nah, you can do better. <laughs> oh, well. Yeah. I s- this is making me feel kinder about many other movies. Mm-hmm. Like, almost Pacific Rim 2 kind of feels a bit better no, no. now. Oh, no, no. no. Pacific Rim no, no. 2 is still shit. Dude. Pacific Rim it's just that one big fight. That's part. it. Yes, yes, yes. This is slightly above Pacific Rim 2 in terms of... It's just a what? steaming pile, not a flaming pile. Exactly. sir. Um, so, I think it's my turn to mention the part, the parts I liked. Go ahead. Okay. I really like the monsters. I like there the redesigns. I agree with all of us here that, yep, uh, the updated versions look equal parts terrifying, equal parts kind of believable like you know you like just seeing them for scale mm-hmm. uh, I'm not really a fan of the fights though because of certain technical aspects but I do appreciate the spectacle yeah and I fucking love them bringing back the original music yeah. I totally yes, the soundtrack is great fucking love the soundtrack but I have a bit of a bone to pick with their version of Blue Oyster Cult's uh, Godzilla. Oh, Serge Tankian was actually doing the yeah. The I know. Oh. I mean, I'm a fan of Serge Tankian, but also at the same time, it's like nah, not good enough. He's I like, I like just get the licensed yeah. song, please. I like him a lot, but I feel like sometimes he's a bit too up his own ass when it comes to certain things he does. And it's very difficult because you need to really stick that nose in there. Huh? Wow. wow. <laughs> Armenian joke. I did it. Yeah. <laughs> New level. The soundtrack was done by Ben McCrary. I believe I'm he a did fan. God of I'm a War fan. last year and yes. uh, a bunch of TV shows. Like I mean, I, I totally appreciated like he kept the themes of the monsters as well. Mm-hmm. And I also did love some of the sound design. I mean, me and Tom both agreed that the whoop, 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 the powering yeah, up the, of the, the atomic, oh, yeah, breath. The atomic the breath was amazing. Yeah. yeah. And also, I think all of the sound effects around King Ghidorah, like, you know, the lightning, yeah. crackling, and it's just, it sounded meaty and wonderful. 
And I'll add one final thing more about Ghidorah. The part where they show his true like abilities and why he's so terrifying was wonderfully gross. Mm. Uh, it just—I was just kind of watching it, going, "That's disgusting," and I'm here for this all day. Yeah, disgusting and then they cut away and cool looking else. at yeah. the same time. <laughs> we can't wait to more fucking humans talking. Anyway, yeah, I think we're going to reach to the bad part of this film. I mean, I would also like to add one more plus point. Yeah, okay. and this is in comparison to the 2014 movie. Yeah. Ah, it's like got about ten more minutes of monsters. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. <laughs> Oof. There's five. Well, they actually, they announced somewhere in the film that, oh, they've unleashed 17 monsters upon the world. And we shall focus on these four for some reason. And the rest will not even be licensed ones. It's just random like ones. Like new ones you create. Cool. And you're even going to bring in the old one, the Mutos and from the first one. They film. reused the assets from the first one. Yeah, you know. Sure. Like, didn't they uh, like say that in the first one that the two of them mated and then there's yeah. Mutos? Yeah, it's probably the kids running so around. So one they, of them survived, they apparently. They killed the Mutos. Oh, so now it's referencing to the 98 Godzilla movie. Mm. No, we're not. Let's not speak of that. That movie never existed. No, like the best reference to that is still in Godzilla Final Wars, where Godzilla actually kicks Zilla's ass with one yes, nuclear in breath. In Sydney, yes. With fucking what was it? Uh, with some forty-one in the background for yes, some reason. Yes, I. It's a really <laughs> weird musical choice, but I'm just show you that clip. It. It's gorgeous. Uh, okay, so. Uh, ladies and germs here on the Last King Podcast, we have one Godzilla fan here who's ready to rant. Yep. I shall ease into it. He's I shall holding I'll... a knife threateningly at the I camera. I am literally about to stomp Tokyo. I think he's holding right a knife now. at both of us right now. No, no, no. You know what? It's okay. Say your piece. I will counter as much as I should or could. But also at the same time, uh, I would like for Tom to set the ball rolling because he hinted at this. So, uh, Last King fans, if you haven't had a chance to see Godzilla, don't. <laughs> But also, <laughs> if you really want to avoid spoilers, yeah, you might want you to really skip maybe about, about ten movie. minutes. Maybe after you the just show. like press pause right now and yeah. <laughs> like you know, and and like just think like, you know what, those guys were right. Why did I watch this piece of shit? Uh, but uh, yeah, okay. So uh, we're gonna be talking about character decisions, narrative elements, certain testi- uh, testicle testicles, <laughs> no testicles, testicles of time, some <laughs> technical things that made me really annoyed. Uh, so spoiler count starting from now. Okay, three. Two, one, go. What the fuck is wrong with the mom? Like, what? Yeah. What is the point of your plan? We're gonna unleash monsters there upon no the world. There is no sense in what this woman but, said in the halfway point of the film, apart from starting a monster royale. But like, Chaffee, if you're gonna do a better job at setting that up, Chaffee, at least Chaffee, you copy have to understand story. when a woman loses a child. You're gonna say this. Go for it. Everything <laughs> goes wrong, apparently. <laughs> Like, women are just like one dead child away from absolute madness. Sure, that's exactly why they can never be president. <laughs> yeah, apparently. Like, that's why Hillary... Because if you piss them off, they'll unleash monsters on the world. And yeah, the like, that's did... why Hillary Clinton couldn't be president. Because if Chelsea Clinton died, <laughs> we'd have nuclear Armageddon. We'll have can Clinton we also bring Zilla. up how wasted Millie Bobby Brown was? Can we just bring role? up the fact that goddamn Charles Dance, one of the greatest actors of his time... Did nothing. Not just only did he nothing. He just said some stuff, goes in, leaves, no, that's no, it. He, he did an amazing job holding his shit-eating grin saying those lines. And he's like, <laughs> look, at this, look at this goddamn professional deliver the lines maintain his like class and his ability to perform and he knows that he is surrounded by, by idiots <laughs> you know what I mean but then again if you've been working on Game of Thrones for that long yeah, you get used to it I mean <laughs> you definitely there were moments of watching this going so this is why Tyrone Lannister was so much fun to watch yes this yeah. is why he was 
the damn near perfect antagonist. You know, I want to say this. Uh, I'm going to call it if they ever reboot Austin Powers, he is my top pick for Doctor Evil. <laughs> no, actually, <laughs> just him delivering. Wait, I'm surrounded there's going to be an Austin Powers reboot. Six year old. <laughs> just Charles Dance with the broken eye. Like he is the perfect Bond villain. But since we're not going to do James Bond properly anymore. He's the perfect Austin Powers villain, delivering just straight acerbic lines. He doesn't need to be stra- he doesn't need to be funny or silly, you know, because you need the funny silly to be Austin Powers. He's yeah. just the straight man. <laughs> he was like, I I want to hear Charles Dan say sharks with freaking laser beams. I I want to hear that too. <laughs> and to be honest, if they'd said this in this movie, it would be a better movie. <laughs> How do we fight the monsters? Sharks, sharks with, with freaking laser, laser beams. beams. <laughs> you know what? It might have worked. Seeing as how easily some of these monsters go down. But then again. So. Uh, Godzilla Part 2 takes off. Kind of from Part 1. because it's literally like, five years I think after. seven, five years after the first. So film, it's five yeah. years after. We're not following the Cranston family anymore. Because you know. Sure they've been relegated to being in Avengers movies. So yeah. No. Only one of them survived to, into like late game Avengers. True that. But. Um, what I'm saying is that oh yeah we're not gonna talk about their stories anymore no now we're let's talk about this guy who Carl like, Chandler and Vera Farmiga what? right yes Vera Farmiga and of course Millie Bobby Brown as Millie Bobby Brown so um, we established very early on in the film that okay they suffered quite a loss during the rampage of the first Godzilla movie yes uh, spoiler alert one of the children dies not so, Millie Bobby Brown obviously Look, that would be a badass movie where she's just that would have been a very brief choice sir. I yeah, agree like she's in all of the promotional stuff and she dies in the first five minutes that would be beautiful that would be Stranger Things indeed okay yeah. and then so now we establish that um, wife and husband are divorced uh, really yeah. Bobby Brown stays with wife with uh, Vera Farmiga I'm using real names because I'm not even gonna give this movie I don't think any of us remember any of the characters. I'm not names. even gonna validate this movie by trying to recite any character names. Yeah, I can't Maybe Madison, but only because Cal Chandler's character shouts it the most. Madison, Addy, Addy, Addy. Like, shut you up! Even though we literally just mentioned it, I already forgot it. Like just <laughs> how go. forgettable these idiotic humans are. So and we, wasted we, as well. We decide too. to set up the premise of this movie by having a scientist lady who is played by Vera Farmiga find and discover not only a new titan they've been called titans because sure uh, but then again kaiju is better oh, yeah, we can't say kaiju it will not make sense in the universe but so she discovers not only a titan but a way to communicate with them called and guess An what orca. it's called the orca what because that's, that's how whales communicate with sound waves da anyway so but, but then again it's also probably a reference to the fact that gojira is like it, the, the word means gorilla and whale Oh, so that's how they call the name Gojira. So it's like probably a reference to that. I don't know. I'm stretching a little bit. Speaking of stretching, so <laughs> it soon this it is soon happens upon them that as they are trying to test this uh, technology on a <clears throat> giant caterpillar, possibly Mothra, the uh, Charles Dance and his company come in, shoot up the place, and they steal the orca and the scientist lady plus daughter. But it turns out that actually the scientist lady was in on with them on the first time. And mm-hmm. guess what their motivation is? They are eco-terrorists and they want to restore the natural balance of the world sure. by unleashing this huge army of kaiju. Ghidorah. They, 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 their plan is to release Ghidorah and that will bring balance to the world. Have you not? Ugh, anyway. And they say, oh no, we'll <laughs> be fine because everything will balance out and then we'll be subservient to these gods. And what does the world do to stop them? We send the husband. 
Yes. And Ken Watanabe and the lady from Shape of Water and assorted characters who may or may not die. And that guy from uh, Silicon Valley too. Oh yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah, Thomas Pinnock yeah. was in that. Remember? And that guy from Captain in the Woods, a scientist. Uh, what's, the, what's this guy? Yeah, David Stratham, right? Yeah. yeah. Yes. No, well, the other one. Not the other one. That, David yeah. Stratham. Yeah. Oh yeah. Stratham. Oh and. Stratham. Uh, oh no, Bradley Whitford. Bradley Whitford. Sorry, Bradley and, uh, Whitford. And the female assassin from Hero. Uh, Zhang Ziyi. Yeah. yeah. Also from Crouching Tiger. Also from other movies where she plays the, the Asian girl. So, uh, yeah. Lady successfully unleashes Ghidorah upon the world. Lady also very successfully manages to hide her stupid evil plan from husband. Everybody acts shocked for some reason. And once Ghidorah is unleashed, uh, we straight away go to the scene where Ghidorah, through the power of plot, awakens all the other titans slash kaiju slash monsters it's doing the same tried and true um hollywood formula that i've been doing since the first event just probably earlier it's like you've got the big mothership that controls everything mm-hmm. so like, fuck you independence day for starting this bullshit apex alien calling yeah. out different life forms in the earth itself and in a uh amazing twist of intelligence uh humanity decides oh we, we need to unleash godzilla godzilla's the good one remember yeah. He, he did not destroy, like, you know, the he, world last He time. only accidentally destroyed sure. half of San Francisco. He world. understands All those buildings us. are in the way, yes. <laughs> yeah, so, it was our fault for building such wonderful buildings in the way of his, like, stomp. Uh, eh, so, yeah. Like, so here's the thing that's, like, very difficult for me to appreciate, understand, or even, like, uh, talk about. Is the fact that, like, as much as I kind of miss the goofiness of, like, over 49 years, 40, 50... 50 plus almost 60 actually oh my god uh, 29 movies like, 29 Godzilla films like wow, decades of Godzilla's going through several uh, phases and uh, eras you know Heisei show and then like and the Millennium Era as well the Millennium yeah. was pretty good uh, yeah. so like I appreciate the 2014 Godzilla for being something of an indie movie because it had a very indie movie sensibility where I guess a lot of people like me were kind of because we had our tastes galvanized by other Godzilla movies we felt like we felt a bit shortchanged yeah because I think the comparison show... with that Godzilla is probably a monster the first one of the earlier indie films that Gareth Edwards did right yeah it was, yeah, it was definitely he, basically he remade monster, monsters but with a bigger budget with a bigger yeah. brand yeah that too and then like it was a very okay now that's how, what I would call a competent movie oh for sure because yeah. he is a that was very actual good pacing. director who yeah. I that think was he's probably pacing. the best person I've seen recently who understands scale. I agree because watching that San Francisco bridge get fucked up was cool. Watching that scene, like it was a glorious shot of like the paratroopers with the smoke trails yeah. going down and, like, and seeing just, how yeah. gigantic to show this how thing is. giant and giant like they're falling for so long and they're still just passing by Godzilla just to give a sense of how huge it was. Yeah, or and, when they're yeah. evacuating into the storm shelter and you just see. This towering giant of a lizard. And I think up. it's because I think he totally respects uh, the, the source material because it's like one thing that kind of pissed me off about this Godzilla movie was it did not have the sense of scale that a true Godzilla movie yeah. has. Because it's like the thing is, whenever you watch a Godzilla movie, it's always important to show it from the ground level. Yeah. And then that the only times they do it, they will show it from the ground level is when they want to get reaction shots from the actors, mm-hmm. which I felt was totally unnecessary because we don't need to see how big his fucking tail is as it sweeps over fucking. What's that guy's name again? Whispery Bory? Uh, Kyle Chandler? Yeah, you're like, oh, hey, like, oh, look how big it is. Like, yeah, we know how big it is. No, you mean, wow, look how big it is. 
I like, and okay, here's my biggest gripe, which really pissed me off, is like, there's not enough destruction. There's only yeah. one scene of total destruction, and that's when Rodan decides to fuck up Los Ilos, the Muertes, or like some small the Mexico City, Mexico. Mexico. La Casa Island, right? Bonita. Anyway, like uh, even Boston isn't that destroyed. Yeah, and that's the only scene. That's the only one that's shot in day. Yeah, and you can see the destruction. You can see the terror on people's faces, and like, that's the only part of it that felt like this is a true kaiju movie. Everything else, no, it feels like a Transformers movie because every fucking fight happens in the dark on a rainy day. Yes, with shaky I, cam. With shaky <laughs> cam. So it's like in my head, it was like, wait, we 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 can do this in the day. Why do you have to have, have everything shot at night during a rain? And yes, convenience sake, Ghidorah is always like surrounded by a tropical storm. Why? Because of the electricity? Because physics? Like no, because no, no, it's cheaper to have rain Sure, you know. And it's like I'm, I'm thinking to myself that like, you have one of the most iconic and one of the most visually stunning creatures, and you decide to cover him up with clouds for. All of his, like, okay, unless they get real close. When they get close, it's good. When they get close, it's good. I mean, I do appreciate the monster designs. I know there are people out there who are kind of on the ball, off the ball. Like, because especially here in Asia, there's some guys who, like, are a bit of, like, they're kind of purists. Like, Godzilla needs to look a certain way. And then, of course, like, most of Japan were all complaining when 2014 came out. Like, he's kind of chubby. <laughs> yeah, the they kind of made this Godzilla a little more, t- like, uh, he looks beefy. Like, he, he's he been wasn't, working out. He's been working out. Okay, he's been, he's been getting his ass kicked a few times. Yeah, his spikes are actually more prominent this time around. Oh god, yeah. Well, I, I like this Godzilla design. I mean, I like the fact that it's an Americanized Godzilla. Hence mm. why he's a bit more overweight. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. But also at the same time, uh, I also like what they did with Mothra. For the first time, Mothra doesn't look like a goofy like kite puppet that just flaps and is covered in fur. No, she looks... She looks cool. Wonderful. I kind of wanted to see beautiful. more Mothra. I mean, I felt I that... I want to see more Mothra. Was, well, yes. They with, killed with, her she had because, that light thing going on. Yeah. You know... One of them has to die, so we'll pick the fluffy one. Of course, we need the yeah. emotional impetus because Ken Watanabe wasn't enough, apparently. Yeah, well, you know what? His death was absolute bullshit. He he, doctor spocked himself out of the series. He literally <laughs> said, "You know what? I'll do it." And everybody was like, "You sure?" And he's like, "Yeah, I don't want to be a part of this anymore. <laughs> I'm the only Japanese guy here who's saying the name correctly." Fuck you guys. None of you are loving <laughs> for me, here. so fuck it. <laughs> no, you know what? Screw you guys. I'm gonna go back and enjoy my Oscars. Bye! As he slowly walks up the steps of whatever... And th- that's something else I want to complain about. I've just been watching Chernobyl. I keep on talking about it because sure. it's so good. Yeah, go ahead. They showed the affections of ARS, acute radiation sickness, very, very well. Mm. Like, There's a part in that show where someone's face literally falls off. And so... Having a guy well, apparently walk through what's meant to be super radiated and just be fine, like it's, like, it's so toxic it'll kill you. It's like ah, he's good enough for him to take his helmet off and say goodbye, old friend. When did they establish this relationship again? Uh, they never did. Probably, no, apparently, not even in the first film. I don't so remember. Yeah, that. I mean, like I mean, bone to pick with the script. Uh, some of the dumbest dialogue ever. Goodbye, old friend, and two characters saying "All hail the king." Huh. Yeah, or no, the best, worst line is where someone goes, Oh my god, and then some dipshit goes, Zilla! At the end. Like, god, I cringe so hard at that. I know what you're talking about. Oh, fuck this movie. So, uh, yeah, I mean, on a technical aspect, I'm really pissed off at the fact that all of the fights happen in a way that's incoherent. Yeah. It was shot like a Transformers movie. It's like, mm-hmm. sure, it's cool and, and loud and obnoxious, right? But where are the classic 
like pull the camera back and let's just see his tail sweep across an entire city block and smash Ghidorah in the face. No, let's go for the quick close-up or the, sh or the, or the stupid point-of-view shot where you can't really see anything. Or even better, when Rodan was doing the 360, like the, the barrel yeah, the spinning roll. Where we lost thing, all yeah. sense of perspective or direction, so we had no idea where that was happening. And then he just like, we just cut to the like people in like the plane like, oh also, my god, why? that plane. <laughs> Fuck that stupid piece of shit plane. Yeah, like, sure. Why was that a thing that they had? You know what? It's so good. It it can outrun a nuclear explosion that's like six minutes away. Sure. Yeah, absolutely fine. Yeah, it's got Batman like. Plane. And it could yeah. totally survive literally everything that happens to it. Yeah, of course. Even though smaller, more agile planes get torn to pieces. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, I mean, you know what the problem is? It feels like a Saturday morning cartoon made with a bigger budget. Yeah, but it's not. It's like it's, it's one of the less good ones from like. I mean, I would even slots. say that because like saying something like it's like a good Saturday morning cartoon. No, there's a bad no, Saturday morning cartoon. Even a bad one can be kind of fun. Yeah, there was this no one isn't fun there's, to it. There's no heart. There's no soul. There's no like creativity because like all the references got fucking annoying after a while. Like, oh, we're gonna destroy it with this oxygen bomb as the guy. Yeah, they brought that up in. Yeah, that like, was in the oh, first. Oh, you mean film, like what oh. killed Godzilla in the first movie? Yeah actual fans of the guys will be watching this why are you trying to please us we're already here and guess what instead of trying to tell us things that we already know why don't you make a fucking good movie we already gave you the notes from the last one this is good 2014 you just gotta fix this a little bit more monster fights and we're good to go and then like somebody was like some executive was like yeah nah we 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 need uh, the girl from Stranger Things because she's a thing right now, right? Yeah, let's yeah. shoehorn her in she's somehow. She's hot shit. I was like, actually expecting her to have like some telepathic powers, <laughs> like, some Mothra, weird right. crazy yeah. shit going on, but, but they, they, nope, nothing. They yeah, did that shot. Very wasted. Yeah, and then when it's established, it's, oh, it's because she pressed the button on the orca, and so she's and then she just smiles at Godzilla. She's like, literally okay. mentally lobotomized this creature so she could touch it. <sighs> She's like every white girl like breeding with the tigers <laughs> in Thailand. I mean, of course, if you were a monster of such gigantic proportions, you would notice a Millie Bobby Brown in the window of this little thing you're about to step on. Of course, right? she's a big fan of Stranger Things. Yeah. It's like, oh shit, girl, how you doing? Oh my god, it's 11. <laughs> I'm three. Anyway. Fuck <laughs> me. I mean, I agree with you, John, that the monster fights... Terms of spectacle and just sheer fanboy, like there were moments when it's like when I could see what was going on, like fuck yeah. I and actually did not mind. Okay, I know what you mean, but I did not mind the shaky cam effects that much compared to I don't know when you mentioned Transformers, like yeah, no, no, not really. But I don't know, just the way it co co sort of goes up close when the whole shots come in and just seeing again these 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 guys rumble around and Mothra coming in, it just felt like that was enough to just maybe placate me to just say okay this is a fine movie so i'm not i'm not again, gonna say it's the best at all no, no, no. I, as a godzilla fan there's a few things we have to checklist mm -hmm. number one there has to be a scene where a monster pushes a monster into another building and the building collapses yeah did not get that number two we need to see proper destruction from a walking monster we did not get that we did get rodan flattening that like south american city that was kind of cool kind of but where is the Oh look, it's attacking Boston, and as we arrive in Boston, everything's already leveled. Yeah, yeah, you know, already leveled because Godzilla was taking a nap. <laughs> like, sure, and it's like you know what? For a monster that's as big as like I don't know a couple of skyscrapers, uh, he manages to sneak up on Ghidorah quite a few times. Huh? I yeah. felt that the destruction was already established when all the other uh, Titans started rising up when uh, Ghidorah so, was giving. So let me call. say this again: 
If you're a kaiju fan, what do you want to see? You want to see model buildings get squashed by a guy in a rubber suit. Oh, we're going to do that with CGI now, and we're going to have Man of Steel production house Levels do this. of, yeah. So it's like, alright, I can't wait to see this. Because the thing is, in 2014, it's like, when they did those scenes, just watching him smash through the bridge, or just walking through the town, and like even the mutos, how they just like... Even when they fight, you got to see them smash into things. And like, yeah. this is what I want to see. I know it's a very small chunk of a greater idea, but I'll have what I have for now. This one seems to do away with all of this because it's like, oh, they don't care about the fans. This is the kind of shit we're looking for. This is the kind of shit that we're going to be nitpicky and we're going to be complaining about. And you could even pull that off. And you're going to have all the fights in the dark, in the rain. We need, and I hate to say this, this is the movie that made me finally appreciate Shin Godzilla. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> because Shin Godzilla... It Desp- happens in the daytime. Despite its stupidity and like equal level amounts of like, what the fuck are the people thinking? Okay, but bureaucracy, the movie. I mean, was. at least, and the fact is like, he's not even fighting another monster. But watching him go full atomic and leveling an entire city, and then just watching the camera pan back and see the size of the destruction. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, this is what I want to see. This is the only thing that's redeeming about this movie. I didn't even get that in Godzilla Part 2, which is supposed to be the black, the, the biggest, baddest Royal Rumble of all time. And it's like, what? Why are we going one-on-one? Why, why, where's the other monsters? Oh, they haven't arrived yet? Yeah, they kind of got stuck, kind of like... Wait, so Godzilla can swim from one end of the like planet to the other, and then some asshole scientist, yes, there's these gigantic tunnels that actually link the Earth together. It's like, shut up! <laughs> Yeah, because that doesn't plot make device, sense more or less. at all. Like, okay, plot device. Yeah, and it takes a nap in Atlantis. You know, that's where radiation comes from. Shut up. <laughs> uh, okay, what was that line again? Open the shields. Let's. Why? Because. Because we want to talk to the monster. We 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 want Godzilla to not be threatened by us. It's like, how would Godzilla understand what shields are? Yeah, or huh? like it'd be so below his need to comprehend. Why would he care? Like you're literally just a at most a minor inconvenience. If anything is like, oh look at this very shiny rock. Oh, this part flapped open. Oh, there's people inside. I have bigger things to kill. Anyway. <sighs> also, one of my favorite examples of just how stupid this movie is is there's a scene where they're in the submarine and Gosla's like standing up over them. They're in the middle of the ocean. What the fuck is he standing on? He's that big. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's not. It's two thousand no, 3,000 meters There's down. actually an internet meme going on around there. Yeah, that he's like, on like, he wearing platform like a big shoes? whale yeah. who's like supporting him. <laughs> platform shoes or really, yeah, really like long shoes, legs. Platform shoes. <laughs> what is he standing on? Logic. He's standing on logic yeah. right there. Yeah, yeah. The logic that was supposed really to be in the cool movie. a really cool shot though until you realize the logic problems. Because, yeah, and that's the thing. It's like for a movie like Godzilla, it's nothing about, but suspension of disbelief. You're just supposed to be like, this is happening. Let's enjoy this spectacle. And when the spectacle happens, it's like, Okay, like that's what I want. But of course, you gotta kind of fill in the gaps with the human element. And what good Godzilla movies do is like, let's establish the drama, let's establish the chaos, let's establish the the total failing of civilization as this fucking thing we can't explain is happening right now. Or at least no. have something interesting out of that same. Or platform. at least something interesting. Yeah, which so we don't do get. We, unfortunately, what do we do instead? Ah, this was human humanity all along. We're gonna we're here to wipe out humanity. We're gonna save the world. Yeah, it's like. What? No, no. It's like, and the thing is, right, when that happened, right, immediately I was like, this is a dumb movie. I can't take this seriously or have fun anymore. Now I'm going to pay attention to all the stupid things. Because when you, when you have a break in logic in anything, even the most 
non-plus fan or even like just a, a standard movie goer will be like okay so I'm gonna start questioning that and because of that I cannot enjoy the rest of this movie because I'll be constantly thinking yeah but this is their fault so why should I care yeah you know what I mean and th- that's like uh, if you wanna go silly go silly but don't I wouldn't even say half acid like there's something about this movie that feels you had probably a great idea somewhere yeah and somebody decided to have an opinion and this is definitely a case of probably either executive notes or oh we just needed to shit one out because yeah we need to have some sort of a cinematic universe because we've already established Kong Skull Island so yeah this we we, we need it they hit something for the quarter. There's something yeah. so beautiful. Like a because yeah. Godzilla versus King Kong isn't ready yet, so we have to like put something out in the meantime. Yeah, I think that's sure. for next year, right? Was it? 2021. I don't do care, yeah. bro. It's like you you fucked up a Godzilla movie. It's like you had the template for a decent American version of a Godzilla movie in 2014. It has its faults, <laughs> but it was trying. This one wasn't trying. This one was like. Yeah, this was made by committee. There's a lot of stupid ideas in here thrown for in for no reason. And the fact that poor Millie Bobby Brown is in it is like not because she's a great actress. She is a great actress, but because oh because yeah, she's got we need some brand. Rec- yeah, we need some name recognition. Some the, the strangest thing, na- strangest things name on. Yeah, and so like, sense, and the yeah. thing is, when I saw her in the trailers, I thought to myself, okay, I have no idea what she, what part she's gonna play this whole thing, but I'm pretty sure it's not gonna be substantial. And when I saw that the, the second trailer was nothing but monsters, is like. Oh god, they're hiding a shit movie. I knew. I kind of yeah. knew it at that point of time. At the second trailer, is like, this is gonna be all the best scenes in the film. And when I watched the film, like even the moment where Ghidorah like powers up and he just does the lightning blast, I was like, yeah, we saw that. How is this exciting anymore? Yeah, I mean, say what you want about the original Godzilla, fantastic uh, trailer campaign. Yep, fantastic storytelling, but it missed the mark in terms of hitting expectations. Yeah, and the thing is. This a lot one, of structure problems with this one, especially. This one, because, like, oh, of course you do it better the second time around, right? You can imagine the escalation of expectations. And also the fact that, okay, Pacific Rim still exists. Yeah. It's out there. As much as Pacific Rim 2 is a piece of shit, Pacific Rim 1 is probably, at this point of time, the best American slash Hollywood kaiju movie, hands yeah. down. And the thing is, you're fucking taking the brand name of Godzilla. The like first one of kaiju. Japan's treasured, um, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, this is how I felt when I saw Man of Steel, which is why there's a lot of Man of Steel references. Like, this is the first superhero and you fucked up the movie? Huh. But you, yeah. got the, you got the destruction, right? Well, at least you have that. And then like, nope, I didn't even get that for this Godzilla but, movie. Hey, um, Warner Brothers are keeping up their tradition of having a flawed but okay we'll see what happens uh, first movie <laughs> and then a piece of shit third movie amazing business model right there right oh, absolutely kept them going all this well yeah I can't wait to see the financial uh, returns of this the movie. last film yeah which is like two years apart dude it's doing shit people are hating on this hardcore yeah I mean it's got a box office number one but we'll see what happens in uh, but again you won't two. know it's gonna be like the, the it's gonna be a week to drop off I don't think yeah, this will sure. last any longer because John Wick 3 is still in cinemas yeah. Avengers is still in cinemas yeah uh Detective Pikachu is still in cinemas. Sorry, you I know what? Dark, face. Dark Phoenix, that's happening. Sure. I'm watching yeah. it tomorrow. Oh, well, good luck with that. Good luck with that. <laughs> well, because I need to have something to do on a Wednesday evening. You know what? <sighs> I don't want to watch it. I, I, I'm not going to shit so much on Godzilla 2 
completely. I mean, oh, really? Again, so no, 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 what no, I'm saving mean, graces here, John. Hmm? No, 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 dude, dude, come on. I mean, the human element, of course, it's not well put together, not well done. And that's, that's 80% of the movie, yeah. sir. Uh, for me, it's more like 70, 60% for me. So, so you're asleep the other times? What? What's yeah, going pretty on? Much. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I Again, the monster fights, everything just worked out for me. Yeah. All right, I think we should do our final ragings because I think we're gonna. The ragings, start... that's what you said. Yeah, <laughs> I want to start I, a brand new podcast where I just rant about this movie forever, wow. and then have twenty nine episodes where I talk about how good these ones are. Yeah. <sighs> okay, so uh, final ratings, John. I'll just give it a five out of ten. Wow. I got my kicks out of it. So You got your kicks out of it. Look, look, I'm more of a Millennium Godzilla fan in the sense like, you know, starting off from the 1954. You're going to compare this to the Millennium Godzilla and still give this a 5 upon 10. Yes. <laughs> sir. Yes. How could you? I do. Yes. Dude, I don't know. Like every time when I want to rewatch every single Godzilla movie, I'm always going to go straight to the monster fights. I watch it once for the whole thing and then watching again is like, okay, this plot might be a little bit too much but at least I can see what they're going for in a sense considering it's an old movie being made at the time and also they gotta give a gotta keep a continuity for the Heisei and the Showa period if I recall mm-hmm. Millennium at the very least is easier to follow because it, the starting point is still the original Godzilla anyway. so I feel those were better films but in terms of spectacle all that the fighting and everything at least at the very least it's done really well I kind of wish they did a lot of better work with the rest of the film though so. okay so right. uh, Tom you're a man of common sense <laughs> wow! Thank you. That was like the best indirect burn I've heard. No, no, no. I was being honest. Okay. <laughs> Oof. Uh, this is a four out of ten. It's better than Aladdin. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> At least had monster. Okay, fight. it but is better than Aladdin. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll give it that. It's better Actually, than Aladdin. No, I mean the different like, skills. Like on an overall level, Aladdin is a better movie, but I disliked it more for the reasons I explained last mm-hmm. episode. This one. Uh, you want I, your money back? I just I it's a worse movie, but I didn't hate it as much because at the very least, you know, my dumb lizard brain was like, <laughs> fun cool fights. Mm. But it says a lot about a movie where I had to go leave to take a piss break, came back like four minutes later, and I'd missed nothing substantial at all. It's like, oh, yeah, okay, I still know great. what's going on. Right? Yeah, <laughs> I yeah, uh, the only thing I missed was them entering Atlantis. Like, yeah, sure, fucking whatever. I'll, I'm on board with this. No, I'm not, but whatever. Well, <laughs> so. So I would big surprise what your rating is. So as, uh, as an actual Godzilla fan and uh, somebody who's ex- explained it, exclaimed it several times, um, I'm going to be very strict. I've been very strict. I'm going to be even stricter on this. Uh, so I was about to give. I mean, I do agree with both you guys. I also have the little lizard brain that goes like, "This was cool. The spectacle was fun. This yeah. was actually a decent ten seconds of action." Uh, <laughs> wow. This is gonna be a great YouTube compilation. It's a great YouTube night. compilation. Just cut out yes. all the human yeah. parts, and then you have an amazing five minutes of action. Oh yeah! I would say um, I was about to give this a one upon ten, which is my lowest score ever. Yeah. But wow, since higher it, than Shin Godzilla. Damn. Shin Godzilla. No, Shin Godzilla. Give her two. Oh yeah, higher. I'm on lower, lower. Sorry. Yeah. Go- I'm, I, I'm, no, I'm going lower know. because I did exclaim on this podcast that now it does make me kind of like Shin Godzilla. So of course it's gonna be a one. But I'm going to dock points for not having enough Psyduck, so it's a zero point. <laughs> <laughs> Do well, not first watch ever. at all 10. I'm giving this no score. Like, don't watch Godzilla. If you're a Godzilla fan, turn away now. They didn't. Or at they least did, if you're going it. into it, like, go know what you're going into before you pay like, money for it. If you want to see it. a monster tear down a city, watch John Wick 3. Yes! <laughs> not a literal monster. And no, a literal monster. A- yeah, John Wick is a literal Baba Yaga. Look, if you want to see a monster tear down a city from Warner Brothers and Legendary, Man of Steel exists on Netflix. <laughs> yeah. 
But if you're talking about this year, eh, I guess. You're talking about this year? Yeah. No, like no, no. John Wick, I guess. <laughs> I mean, there's literally so many other good movies out right now that you can watch. Most of which we talked about in this. Uh, yeah. yeah, we have, yes. Yeah. So, boys and girls, that's been our thoughts on Good Omens. Yes, heavily recommended by Last King Podcast. And, and Godzilla, heavily uh, recommended by. Kind of recommended by Mr. Toffee. Kind of, huh? kind of. And uh, I'm being very nice here, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Being extremely Apo- nice. You're apologizing for apologizing. <laughs> there you go. You spent too much time in Canada, bro. So it's yeah, like, Canada. wait, what's the average then for that? Oh yeah, it's, it's a good three, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> three point yeah. five four zero. Yeah, three. Yeah. <laughs> the last week podcast, pretty good at math, kind of. Yeah, we kinda. can't be nerds if we're not. What the fuck? <laughs> anyway, so. Uh, this has been uh, Rodan. So this is uh, King Ghidorah Shopping. <laughs> this has been Rodan Toffee flying off. You're not Moth Rodan. And Fuck this you. is Moth <laughs> Tom signing out. Awesome.